0: Hi everyone, Uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear Hi everyone, this is Mark, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about one of my favourite films. Um, not a film that I've seen in a in a while, but it's a film that uh, for some reason, every time I watch it, every time I think about it, uh, it automatically takes me back to my childhood, uh, when I was around 11 or 12 years old. And um, the film that I'm talking about is the 1992 American crime comedy film, Sneakers, which was directed by Phil Alden Robinson, who you may know as uh, also as the director of uh, Field of Dreams, which is another of my favourite films, and also the film The Sum of All Fears. And um, Sneakers is... Oh and just a great film it's so compelling um and for me when i was when i was a kid and i was always uh, always interested in technology even as a 11, eleven twelve year old kid computers fascinated me um they really did and i was there wasn't that many computers around back in the day i mean though those days um talk of um, cryptography, um, you know um, of uh, you know, uh, code breaking, uh, I suppose it was it wasn't a new concept because code breaking had been instrumental uh, in World War II in allowing us to uh, decode um, messages from the Germans. Um, using, um, the, uh, decryption, uh, method, um, uh, so codes and, and, uh, decryption and, um, and things of, of, of that nature have been a part of, um, the, uh, the, the world of, um, of, um, intelligence for a great deal of time, um. And I wouldn't imagine that in, in this day and age uh, that it is even more um, advanced than it is portrayed in the film. Uh, which we all know it is because we ha- in this day and age we have the internet, we have uh, um, encrypted messages, we have apps. We communicate a lot more online whereas when this film came out there was no internet. I'd never heard of the internet. I'd never heard of the web. Um, communication was done over the phone or by mail, and not electronic mail. So that's why I said, but as I say, when I was watching this film as a kid, I was thinking, "Wow, this is this is great." Uh, I mean, I always used to love the one of the my favorite characters in all of the James Bond films was um, was Q. Because the character of Q was the the man, uh, who had uh, all the gadgets, and he was the one who um, who gave James Bond all the the, the equipment that he would need um, to uh, to do what he needed to do on his mission. Um, and I'd heard about this film uh, because. Uh, I was too young, of course, to see it in the cinema, but at that time, 11, 12 years old, uh, I used to watch um, movie review, um, TV shows that were on, on TV, and they would review what was at the cinema, uh, what was coming out on VHS at the time, uh, and what certain films were about, and I was just absolutely spellbound by uh, and interested in in films, and uh, I was then, and I still am to this day. Um, and just from seeing the the trail of the film, I was I was really interested, and that's when uh, I don't know why, but when the film came out on um, VHS here in the UK um, in 1993, um, because back in Back in those days, um, films used to come out uh, almost a year uh, or more after the um, the initial release, or within six months, or something along that nature. Almost a year, anyway. It was a long time before things came out. Um, even TV shows, you know, we'd see an episode of TV show and it had aired a year ago. Or something like that. So we were always playing catch up here in the UK. Um, but I remember uh, seeing that this film, Sneakers, was available to purchase on VHS, and I uh, I asked my mom to buy it for me, um, if I remember rightly. Um, and I bought it, and I watched it, and oh, I loved it. And I watched it over and over and over again, um, because it was it was talking about something that, for, for me, I just thought was revolutionary. I just thought it was just so... it was funny, it was entertaining, it was about something that I was interested in. Uh, it was interested in I was interested in technology and codes, because um, that's what the film talks about, is... Um, it's about hacking and, um, uh, the, these, uh, so-called penetration, uh, testers, um, the, this group of, um, of people who were security specialists, that's who they were really, who, uh, went into businesses, banks, and were, uh, hired to test the security of these, these businesses, um. Because they were experts uh, in, um, in security and they were paid to, to test the, the security. Uh, but the, the backstory story, uh, which we, we find out right at the beginning of the film, is that uh, the main character, uh, who's played by Robert Redford, uh, Martin Bishop, um, when we first meet him at the beginning of the film, his name is Martin Bryce and he uh and he's 27 years old in 1969 and he along with his friend cosmo who at the time is 24 uh are so-called sneakers um and they are hacking into computer networks using university equipment to restri- redistribute um uh, funds from the republican party in the US, to various, uh, liberal causes, um, and it's a snowy night, and, um, they're getting hungry, both of them, and, um, then, uh, one of them, uh, um, uh, agrees to, to leave, well, they lose a bet, actually, uh, Martin, Bryce, by um, not played by Robert Redford in the um the earlier version. Um but because uh, the the got the college age um uh version of um of Martin Bryce slash bishop was played by Gary Hirschberger. But um yeah, they they lose a bet and they have to head out to go and get pizza. So they go out to their uh their van uh to try and start it up, and just as they more or less start to start to start the vehicle the the, the van, the police arrive they burst into uh where Martin and Cosmo were attempting to sneak into the com- and hack into the computer network the- co- uh The police swarm in um uh to arrest Cosmo, because, <coughs> excuse me he's the only one there at the moment at that moment um and Martin sees this happening and he looks up uh, at the window and Cosmo's looking out and Cosmo's going mad. He's, uh, he's screaming, Marty, Marty, um, and instead of helping his friend, Martin Bryce decides to become a fugitive and he, uh, goes to Canada uh he changes his name and, um, yeah, uh, 20 years uh, pass almost, uh, and then we pick up with Martin, uh, who is now called Martin Bishop, in, who's now living in present-day San Francisco, and he's heading this uh, security specialist team, uh, which uh, um, or, uh, is also made up of um, Donald Kreese. Uh, who's a former CIA uh agent um who's played by Sidney Protier um and also um the character of uh Mother or Darren uh Roscoe but it's called Mother um who's played by uh Dan Aykroyd uh who's who did great in the film um previous to this side i only really was only really, uh, aware of him from the Ghostbusters film, or, um, um, My Girl, I think that had come out at the time, or around that time, um, but, uh, yeah, and also, um, I believe he's a bit of a conspiracy theorist, he's constantly jibing at, uh, crease uh, about certain conspiracy theories that he's heard and what he believes um but he's really smart he's kind of like the the electronics technician um of the group and also um carl uh abergast uh who's a a young uh hacking genius as he's called and carl uh Abergast was played by the late great uh river phoenix uh who um who died uh um, about a year after the the release of the film um and uh, as you may be aware he unfortunately died of a uh at the age of twenty three um due to uh um an overdose um And, uh, he had a lot of promise, um, I remember first seeing him in, um, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, um, at the beginning of that film, I think that was the first time I'd I'd ever seen him, but he had a lot of promise, he had a lot of, um, a lot of acting gift, and he's really good in this film, um, Sneakers, um, you know, he's, he, has put a lot of, uh, humor into the, into the story, um, yeah, so, sh- it's such a shame, um, and also the, the, the last member of the, the team is, um, Irwin Whistler Emery, uh, who is, uh, blind, um, phone, um, slash auditory, um, uh, expert um, he uh, is an expert in telecommunication systems and um, he has incredible um, memory and also he's able to discern certain noises um, and um, um, and identify them um, but uh, he's really good he really it's great uh, group of um, uh, of characters and cast that portray them. and the majority of the film is uh, revolves around basically Martin's Martin Bishop's past coming back to, to find him. Um, and uh, he's approached by the um, two NSA officers, uh, Nick Gordon and uh, Buddy Wallace. Uh, who he believes are NSA officers, and they ask him to recover what they call a little black box from a mathematician called Dr. Gunter Janik, who has developed this box under the project name CTEC Astronomy, uh, supposedly for the Russian government. Um, but And Martin is hesitant, of course, but These NSA agents say that if he does this for them, uh, then they will clear his name. He'll be able to have his life back. uh, Because he's on the run. um, And he has uh, kept um, from being discovered for 20 years. Um, But he goes back to his team, uh, who had just uh, recently successfully... Uh, got into a bank and overcome its uh, security and um, they've just finished a job uh, successfully. Um, So he has to reveal himself that not only is he, his real name is not Martin Bishop, it's actually Martin Bryce, uh, but he is a fugitive. Um, But as he says to the rest of the team, we all have secrets, Um, you know, he uh, calls out Donald Kreese. And he says, why did you leave the CIA? Um, you know, we all have secrets. Um, and that's what it's all about. It's this, The whole film is about secrets. And um, I think that's why this film, I think now, is it, more prominent. It's more... Um, it, it, it speaks more... Uh, now, to the, the the world we're living in, or maybe it speaks to a lot of the 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 errors of humanity, where we there are always secrets, and there are always powers that wish to know all of the secrets. And hacking, uh, and uh, infiltration, and espionage has been going on for hundreds of years. When you think about it you know, um, in many different ways, um, but, they realise, the team realises that, to get close to this, um, Dr. Gunter Janik, uh, who's developed this little black box, um, which, uh, could be capable of, um, hacking into any computer system, um, because it is capable of, um, of cutting through, bypassing all of the encryption. He's found a key that, that, um, allow anybody to get into any computer system or any computer network. And as, as I say, I think this film was ahead of its time. um, Really, I mean, it came out in 1992 at the cinema. I saw it in 1993, and I don't think that we really scratched the surface. We hadn't really scratched the surface about talking about infiltration and encryption um, then, as we do, we talk about now. You know, people talk about encrypting their messages and having their messages that they use specific apps so that their messages will disappear after they've been sent. So security um, and uh, not allowing your own personal messages to be read by other people is something that's more prominent now than back then because people had no knowledge of... The internet wasn't even... Well, it was in existence, but it wasn't a... um, it wasn't as, um, easily accessible as it is now, and, you know, it didn't really rise to prominence for a few years after this film, and, um, that's why I think the film is, was ahead of its time, you know, um, and, uh, and yeah, so Martin goes to, uh, knowing that to get close to, or to understand what, this um doctor uh Gunter Janik is talking about the encryption they know that they realise that they're going to have to go to someone um who is uh who knows what they're talking about who's very intelligent uh so Martin goes to see his ex-girlfriend um Liz uh who's played by uh Mary McDonnell uh who's a great uh great actor um who I first saw in this film but uh subsequently I've um she was in the TV series Battlestar Galactica uh she played um uh, President Laura Roslin in that um but I've always thought she was a, she was a great um a great actor and um does great in this film um and uh she goes along with Martin to a symposium where, uh, Gunter Janik is talking about these large numbers, these unbreakable codes, uh, finding a way to, to break or get around these unbreakable codes. Um, and, um, they return, uh, home, um, to, uh, where the team, um, he, uh, are um having a party in celebration because very soon Martin will have cleared his name the NS if the everything goes well with the the NSA um, they uh, the team finds a way to infiltrate the 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 office of dr. Gunter Janik at C tech astronomy um, and uh, they uh use the uh the knowledge that uh Dr. Janik is having an affair or uh he's having a relationship with his uh secretary, um and, and some, some really funny moments throughout the film as well. Uh but some very poignant moments as well. But it's it's funny, it's a comedy, essentially. Um uh, so Martin finds his way into Gunter Janik's uh, office. He is able to obtain the this little black box which is contained within uh, an answer machine um, uh, which is another... Uh, it really does show its age, I suppose, because I'm not sure uh, if anybody does have an answer machine anymore, but hey, what better place to, to hide uh, one of the most powerful encryption machines than in something every day as a, an answer machine. Um, Martin... Was able to to get the machine, um, and um, the mission is a success. They're having a party. Uh, they're talking about um, what they will do with the money because the NSA, um, the two NSA agents officers, um, had made a deal with Martin that they would clear his name and that they would give the team seventy five thousand dollars. Uh, and they're all talk. All the teams talking about what they will do with the money. Um, and uh, you know, uh, mother says he'll he wants to get a Winnebago. Um, Whistler says that he wants peace, love, and goodwill to all men and women. Crease um, wants to take his his wife uh, on. Um, on a proper honeymoon to several places around the world including tahiti um um Carl just wants to find love just wants to find a a woman a young lady to spend his life with um and it is while they are uh um while Martin and uh, Liz and Chris and his wife are sitting down uh, to play Scrabble. That Martin starts to think about the name Sea Tech Astronomy. And there's a great sequence where he's, he uh, puts all the, the letters on the table. And he starts to work out that the, 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 the words Sea Tech Astronomy... Is in fact an anagram. Of too many secrets. And. This leads him. And the team to realise that. There must there must be something else going on. That it doesn't make any sense. That C-textronomy. Doesn't mean anything. Um, it's just a made up word. But the real meaning of it. Is too many secrets. And this. Um, um, makes them uh, cause a, this causes a lockdown they say that crease especially says to Liz you can't leave uh, because someone uh, must have told the NSA about Martin and um, about his past and Liz was the only one who knew who Martin was previously what his real name was so they they, they all spend the night with each other in the same place before uh, the morning after when they will deliver the box to the NSA. Um, And Martin and Chris go ahead. Um, Martin uh, goes to hand over the box to um, the two NSA officers, Gordon and Wallace. Um, But right at the last minute, well, as he's handing over the the box, Kreese looks down at a uh, a newspaper article that states that uh, Doctor Gunter Janik was killed um, the night before, um, and he calls over to to Martin, who's in the distance, and he and uh, he says that he's got a telephone call that it's his mother. And Martin immediately realises that something is very wrong. So he leaves the little black box with Gordon Wallace. But he walks away and uh, with Tane getting in the car, they rush off. um, Because um, Crease believes, as we were meant to believe, that Martin may have been uh, at risk of being killed right there and then. Um, and uh, this is the, the, this it's all unravelling um, which makes it a great thriller, this film everything unravels um, and Martin and, and everybody realises that there's something else going on, there's someone else behind all this so Martin goes to see his friend uh, Gregor um, in the uh, Russian uh, consulate uh, who 's played by uh, George Hearn uh, Gregor Ivanovich um, to ask him um, who these officers are that uh, are trying to uh, trying to kill him and it 's uh, confirmed uh, that they are rogue agents um, and that janik Was working for the NSA. To create this little black box. Uh, But before. um, uh, Gregor can. Help Martin any further. um, Some fake FBI agents. Stop his limousine. Pull Martin out of the limousine. And then kill Gregor. And his. uh, And his driver. Um, And then they take uh martin uh to a remote location they throw him in um uh in the back of the car um in the trunk of the car and uh he's awake for some of the journey uh, in which he can hear certain um certain sounds and um certain uh, road surfaces he can, he he perceives um And they take him to this place, and he finds himself looking into the eyes of his former friend, Cosmo, uh, who's played uh, by Ben Kingsley, uh, who's now all grown up, uh, who Martin had previously believed had died in prison, but here he is. Um, And Cosmo... um, uh, Explains that uh, while he was in prison, he developed ties with organised crime. Uh, who recognised his talents and um, uh, saw within him an opportunity to launder their money and become a, a paymaster for them. And they set up this fake company. And... Um, and Cosmo explains that his ultimate plan is to use Dr. Janik's box to destabilise uh, the world's economy because there are too many rich people uh, there are too many um, walls between things um, and there are too many secrets um, and he offers, the, offers Martin the chance to, to join him in this which is is an ex- this mission is an extension of what they began when they were younger, you know, hacking into the Republican Party and redistributing um um money. Uh but Martin says No, you've lost your mind, Cosmo. Um and but Cosmo says, Look, you've been on the run all this time. I went to prison. You know, I've paid and he hacks into the FBI and uh, he um, changes the record of Martin Bryce to state that Martin Bryce also has an alias of by the name of Martin Bishop and they will connect the the killing of um Gregor the Russian consulate with martin because martin's gun was used to kill him um and martin realizes that uh he's um in serious danger now um but cosmo um he's he doesn't care about martin now he he'd rather see him go to prison uh he says i, I can't kill you but um because you are my friend but no, I can't, I can't help you, you're going to prison, I went to prison, even though it's painful, I'm sorry, but you've got to go to prison, so they, him, and his, well, his friend, his, uh, uh, Gordon and Wallace uh, knock Martin out, they uh, abandon him on a street corner, Um, eventually Martin uh, finds his way to uh, Liz's apartment. And uh, he makes contact with the rest of his team. And they decide to contact the NSA um, and tell them all about this little black box. Um, and the great scene, one of the scenes that I remember was when they were trying to track the team. Um, they were doing a, a trace on his the telephone that he, they were using, which... Um, uh, the character Mother, played by Dan Aykroyd, had um, successfully been able to bounce across several satellites orbiting the Earth, and I, I always thought that was really cool, the the graphics and the way they were able to do that, even though I'm sure now it's completely outdated from what they could do now. They could probably trace people. The NSA could probably trace people a lot quicker than they do in the film, but um, they make contact with um, the NSA, using the the phrase seat astronomy and um, they make contact with NSA agent uh, Bernard Abbott, who's played by the the great james Earl jones the the voice of Darth Vader himself and um, yeah they uh, they they come very close to being tracked um, and then they realize that the only way to, to have some leverage with the NSA is to get a hold of the little black box that Cosmo now has, now has in his possession. so to do that they're going to have to find out where um, Martin was taken um, and after recalling some of the sounds of some of the the the, um, the uh, road noise and the surrounding area that he remembered, uh, hearing while he was in the the trunk of the car uh before he went to see cosmo they realize and they trace that um that the the real uh place is that of a, uh, a toy company but it's all a front for um the mob um for the organized crime for uh for whom um cosmo works for uh, so they make a plan to infiltrate the um, infiltrate the the company the, the, this place so that Martin can get a hold of this little black box um, and um, it's a very elaborate plan because the the place where the little black box is it has motion sensors and uh, um, it's going to take a lot of work to do so they eventually do some surveillance and they track down, um, an employee by the name of, uh, Werner Brandes, uh, um, who is, um, played by the great, uh, Stephen, uh, Tobolowski, um, who, uh, is, you know, one of the great actors, he was in, uh, Groundhog Day, um, great comedic actor and he's great in this film, um and they realize that his this Warner Brandis, is uh his office is next door to Cosmo's office. Um and to get access to the building and to get access to Cosmo's uh office they're gonna need to use him and his identity. And um Liz uh is uh, um asked to become a part of the of the mission, the team uh and she um it's, they realize by by going through Warner Brandis's trash that he is into computer dating and they set Liz up to be a potential date for Warner Brandis and uh she goes on a date with him um and she um has been tasked with recording um Warner Brandis's voice so, that they can use several phrases from what he says to combine to become uh, a specific phrase that they need to access uh, the company and um, the office um, at the toy company. And it's all encoded into a key card. And within the building, there is a voice recognition um, machine so as i say it was ahead of its time i mean i'm sure this technology maybe 1992 this was very prevalent in certain companies and certain um um places and certain um organisations intelligence organisations but for me at the time i was like wow this is so futuristic so out of this world you know but now we have such things as uh voice recognition, we have facial recognition, so you know, it's not as uh I mean of its at the time it was, you know, ahead of its time. Um for me. But they eventually Liz is eventually able to get uh, a recording of um Werner Brandes saying all of these the words and it's all combined to make this specific phrase um and Martin uh, and the team um set themselves up outside the uh, toy company while martin um uses the, the the fake key card and um the sorry werner brandis's key card and this um constructed artificially constructed voice recognition voice recognition um phrase he gets into the toy company he eventually uses werner brandis's uh, office to make his way into Cosmo's office. Um they get a hold of the um uh the box but at Warner Brandis's apartment um he becomes suspicious of Liz when he realizes that um Liz Liz's um the 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 name that she gave uh and the name that she's using with Werner Brandis um of uh, Doris i think it's uh, the name she uses um is is false that her real name is Liz and she and he immediately suspects that Liz is has been sent there to try and get Werner Brands to say certain things to get a hold of his key card so that they can get access to his office so uh he takes Liz to the the toy company uh, he alerts Cosmo that there's been a possible break in. Um um and then Liz and uh um and Cosmo uh and um his uh henchmen, as you wanna call if you wanna call them that, uh, Gordon and Wallace go up to Werner Branis' office. Um and they everything appears to be fine because Martin has already obtained the black box and he's trying to make his escape um and um crease and um mother are uh, in, have constant surveillance of the uh, the the whole company the whole building because they've able to uh, put in a a relay and connect it to the security uh CCTV um and broadcast everything that is being displayed uh, in the security office to their van. Which is located nearby. Um, and when everything looks secure. Liz um, says. Look you know. I'm, this is just a misunderstanding. And I'm never going on another computer date. Ever again. And then Cosmo realises that. He starts to think. What well, a computer. Matched you with him. want Brandis." And then he realizes that this is this doesn't make any sense. And then he automatically uh concludes that it's Marty. It's Martin. So he he rushes to his office, he finds that the little black box is missing. He orders a complete full lockdown of the facility. Um and uh and eventually Martin is apprehended. Um and Cosmo, once again, tries to convince him to join him. Um, but Martin says no. And um, there is a rush to... Um, Carl, um, played by River Phoenix, is, is still is in the building. He's been infiltrating the building so that he could um, change the temperature of Cosmo's office to make it easier for Martin to get from one side to the other uh, and not set off the motion detectors. Uh, so he's in one of the crawl spaces, and when it looks as if Martin, Martin is about to be shot, um, uh, uh, as a result of the order being given by Cosmo, um, Carl jumps through the the roof, um, and he takes out, um, um, um Gordon and, and, um, Along with Martin, the takeout Wallace, um, and then they they start to make their escape along with Liz. Um, and at this point, Cosmo thinks that you know his friend Martin is going to be killed, um, but uh, they make it to the roof. Um, Martin communicates with the van um, where um, Mother and Crease and Whistler are. And uh he says, look, they're they're gonna go into the roof now, they need to be extracted. Uh but before they can, um um uh two of Cosmo's uh, security personnel turn up at the van and they take Crease and um and uh, Mother out of the out of the van and they start to question them and they don't realise that Whistler is in the back there. And Whistler tells Martin what's gone on. Uh, and Martin says, well, it's, it's down to you now. You're going to have to drive the van to come and get us. Uh, but Whistler's blind, you know, he's never driven a car in his life. Uh, uh, but Martin says, don't worry about it. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, talk you through it. Um, and he does, he talks him through it. Um, and, uh, Whistler is able to, uh, navigate the van even though he can't see a thing, uh, to the the building, and he's able to pick up Martin and Liz, and um, and Carl, and uh, even though, uh, but just before he leaves, Martin is confronted by Cosmo once again, um, and he says, "Don't go." Mar- uh, Cosmo asks, asks, "Martin, don't go." Um, we could change the world with this machine. And Martin seemingly gives over the, the little black box. But in reality, what he's done is he's given him a fake uh, um, version. He's given him an identical version of the answer machine that looks that he was practicing with um, back at Liz's apartment. Uh, um, but Cosmo doesn't realize this until the last minute, until Martin and his team are already making their way, way. Um and um when they get back to the office, um Martin and his team are surrounded by um uh, Bernard Abbott, uh James O. Jones's character and some of his NSA agents. Um and uh they ask for the little black box that um Dr. Janik had been developing for the NSA, because as uh, Martin um, describes this black box, it wouldn't be capable of breaking through the Russian codes, because as his friend um, at the Russian consulate uh, makes quite clear that the Russian codes are different from the the American codes, so basically what this little black box was designed to do was to, um, spy on Americans, which was ahead of its time, you know, that concept, uh, I'm not sure it was, was it even, um, thought about at the time, uh, of, of surveillance of one's own, um, population? I don't think so. Um, But now, of course, it's, uh, and over the last 10 years, it's been a bone of contention for a great many people. So, um, yeah, and and of course, um, but Martin says, hey, you know, before he handed over, he says, it doesn't work, you know. And then uh, Bernard Abbott says, it doesn't matter if it works or not. This meeting, this box... It didn't happen. None of it exists. Um, And um, Abbott then um, says that it will clear Martin's record. Uh, But um, the the rest of the team, including Mother and Whistler and Carl and Crease, ask specifically for all of the things that they had thought that they might spend... The $75,000 on that they were originally, uh, supposedly being offered by the NSA previously by the fake agents. So they ask, uh, Bernard Abbott for all of these things, and he hesitantly agrees. Um, uh, which is a great scene. Um, and Carl, all he asks for is the telephone number of one of the NSA agents who turns up. Um, Um, And then Abbott and his agents leave with the box, which Martin uh, has rendered uh, useless by removing one of the the main computer chips from it. And uh, that's the end of the film. And then right in in a post, uh, the the last thing that you see um, is a news report uh, which describes the sudden bankruptcy of the Republican National Committee and the simultaneous receipt uh of a large anonymous donation to the amnesty international greenpeace and also the united negro college fund and uh that's the end of the film and uh as i always try to do i always try to highlight the the great composer of the music because the music of this film is so iconic um, and, it, and of course the film was composed by, by one of my favourite composers, film composers, um, James Horner who has composed and I've who I have mentioned in several of these episodes, who has composed several of the films that I have loved since I was a kid, that I have been watching since I was a kid. And I had no idea uh, that he he uh, composed and orchestrated all of these these great films such as, you know, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan, um Field of Dreams, um, you know, so many iconic um film scores. Um um he was an incredible composer. Uh, Cocoon, um, Aliens, uh, An American Tale, uh, Batteries Not Included, Willow, um, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, so many. The Rocketeer. Um, oh, I could I could go on and on. Braveheart, Casper, Apollo 13, Jumanji, um, Titanic. Uh, Deep Impact, uh, Bicentennial Man, that's a great film as well, another great score he did, um, um and yeah, I just want to mention him, because I always like to mention composers, but uh, James Horner is my favourite, he's my, one of my favourite composers, but unfortunately he's no longer with us, um, he uh, died in 2015, um uh when his aircraft crashed into um the Los uh Padre uh, National Forest um near uh in uh California um and in what an incredible loss um because he was his music, his compositions, his soundtracks were and are so iconic so amazing he you can tell he really put a lot of himself into the music that he composed and i would imagine that this was the, the, probably the first time i'd heard his music in a film i didn't know who he was but uh well i probably would have heard star trek 2 the wrath of khan by this time but in any case um yeah he's an incredible composer and, uh, every time I hear his music, I, I just know it now, and I love watching these films, and I hear his, his music, and I think, yeah, um, his, he, his spirit, um, and his gift lives on, uh, but yeah, so, um, if you never checked out any of James Horner's music, then do, and you'll, you will not be, uh, you you will not be um anything other than delighted. You won't be disappointed either. Um but uh yeah great film, great composer, great cast uh in um as I say Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Ben Kingsley, Mary McDonald, the late Great River Phoenix, um Sidney Poitier and david Strathan um and yeah a, f- a, a favorite of mine since i was a since I was a kid um and it's always gonna have a very special place uh in my heart um but yeah so yeah i think i'm gonna leave it there for now uh, I just want to say thank you for listening uh hope you like what you heard and i'll talk to you again soon. If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in uh, book form? Uh, and go to amazon and you'll find um all 10 of my books that i've had published um they're all books of poetry um uh books of stories uh books of uh, memories and uh, experiences um and there'll be more to come and uh if you would love to um contribute uh to uh to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh as i was saying, i hope you liked what you heard in this uh episode um and i'll talk to you again soon